Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That was the first time I had said I love you to somebody. Wow. Was it the first time you said I love you to somebody? And I was like, oh my God, who is this corn-fed <laughs> Midwestern man who just takes off his shirt and jumps in a lake? I saw yours and for some reason I was like... I feel like I need to talk to this kid. <gasps> and did you think I was cute? Yes, I did. And so for a Catholic priest to like empower me and say, hey, you should you should come out. Like live your truth, essentially. Live your truth. Yeah. And know God's love. Okay, It'd well. It'd be amazing if more people who studied theology had that same viewpoint. And a lot of the men's floors remove the shower curtains to promote Collectively. bonding. Welcome to Who's Your Daddy podcast, where we are manifesting becoming dads and trying to make it all happen through the process of surrogacy. We are your hosts and husbands, Matthew and Michael. And today we are going to talk about how we met us. us. We're going to talk about us. Yeah, today. the beginnings. We're just going to start at the beginning. Can I just say that intro was really well thought out and very nice. And I would just like to compliment you on that because wow, it was really so beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. No, it's true. I think like we're not just manifesting becoming dads, but we're actively going through the process. We're of actively surrogacy. going through the process. We're just not dads yet. And so I feel like we're like, we're we're one planning but then i'm also like we're starting a podcast about surrogacy and manifesting the fact that at some point we will be dads and we won't let this process totally destroy us right this is not just a podcast about surrogacy but it's about the process of becoming parents through um non-traditional means Mm -hmm. different ways of becoming parents so i mean we're a gay couple we met almost 10 years ago and we 10 years, nine years ago. Oh my nine, God. Oh my God. Nine. Oh my God. <laughs> and I don't know. I, I think like since we're in the midst of everything, there's going to be a lot of learning through this. So we wanted a place where we can not only sit down and discuss things as a couple, because mm-hmm. we now need to schedule time to do that. <laughs> not wrong. But also like give us a reason to research and learn and talk to experts and actually like figure out what is the deal with surrogacy what is the deal with adoption why are these processes like so complicated or difficult for a lot of people to to reach and to do and it's sometimes it's not accessible but there's also a lot of wonderful things that happen in miracles and there's a lot to discuss there are a lot of happy stories um i think there are also a lot of sad stories or just like long long struggles um and i think that this is such a hard process to talk about uh through our other platforms where like a short form video isn't going to be able to explain everything in like two minutes or a youtube video we usually try and cut down to like eight to ten minutes and they can just get really and you can't necessarily like i don't know you can't condense this down into an instagram caption and so for those of you who like do follow us on Instagram or TikTok. Like, I am so excited that we're actually sitting down and doing this because it's a way for us to break the mold of 
showing up as like a little two sentence bite or a little funny sketch or whatever that's popping up on your feed. So this is like, oh, you actually get to know us. You actually we get to sit down and have a conversation and talk (laughs) for a little bit. So exactly. I think that's what I'm most excited about. Yeah. And I think that when as we've gone through this process, so we've been doing this process for over a year, right? Yeah. And there since January 2022. 2022 is when we were like actually sitting down and talking to surrogacy agencies and we started the process. Yeah. And as we go through the process, we've had so many questions and that we've asked other people and then as we just discuss the process with our friends and family, they come up with question after question after question after question and they're so fascinated by the process and I just assumed that as you grew up and you became an adult these are just like things that you started to know about or you knew people who went through it but like so many people that have kids or are years and years older than me are just fascinated just have no idea by too. yeah yes, by this process and how much time it takes how much thought it takes how much how many steps there are how and expensive it is. i am also continually surprised i think we both are because yeah we didn't know going into it like what it would take or what yeah I, there's surprises around every corner so but anyways that's that's just forecasting all the things that we're going to be able to discuss <laughs> but let's get down to us wow let's get to the nitty-gritty i mean your favorite topic the down and dirty right yeah <laughs> there's no down and dirty here there's little down and dirty there's no down and dirty there's a little down and dirty <laughs> there's a little down and dirty i mean what did i get myself on. into we did meet online we did meet online do start sh- shall we start there it's a tale as old as time if nobody knows <laughs> us or is familiar with us like 10 years ago yeah they might not know this i don't think so um so michael and i did meet online but we met in a really I guess like not in the traditional way of meeting online. And I say traditional in the sense of the um, stereotype that a lot of gay men meet on Grindr or on some kind of dating app like Tinder and whatever. But that is not, not how Michael and I met. Actually, when we met, Tinder had just come out over that last year. And like Grindr. Yeah. I think Grindr was a thing. Grinder was a thing. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think. Yeah, it was like I was getting whispers of it, but I was also attending a Christian university, so I wasn't hearing that many whispers <laughs> of it. But maybe just like a little subtle, like hi, Grinder's here, a little bit. <laughs> so I was a Tinder user, and I did start going on like a few dates, and you started you, a few, a few, a few, a few, just a few, a few. I mean, okay. <laughs> There, the dating scene at my university was very underground. If you were gay and out, then like you weren't really supposed to flaunt it around campus. It was more so like let's date in the shadows or let's like hook up in this broom closet here. I thought you were gonna say let's date in the showers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's a whole nother story because we also had um, floors that were. Uh, Okay, yeah, we didn't have any fraternities or sororities, but all of the floors on the campus, like in the dorms, you had to to live on the dorms for at least two years. And I was an RA, a resident advisor, so I lived on the dorm floors all four years. And a lot of the men's floors removed the shower curtains to promote bonding, to promote bonding amongst the men of the floor. Not bondage. Bonding. Well, I mean, it's how whatever, whatever, however you want to turn it is fine. But like, 
Jeez, it was so. There was so. Oh my god, there's so many problematic. We might need things. to have an entire episode just based on like yeah. Matthew's college experience and like how homoerotic it was, even though it was like straight Christian. The closeted stories of a straight Christian university. Yeah, of a homophobic Christian university. So, anyways, you were going to this Christian university. Yes, and I was a resident advisor. I was also on YouTube. For, um, I started YouTube in like 2007. I built an audience. Built. <laughs> I didn't build anything. I posted videos and I had some people who watched me and it was fun. You grew up following. Grew up following. Sure. For reference, YouTube like was invented in 2005. Yeah. Correct. YouTube was invented by Chad and Steve in 2005. Google obtained it in 2007. Did I you started meet Chad in 2000. And Steve? No, I did not meet Chad, oh, okay. Chad and Steve. I thought maybe you were like so original. Oh my God. That, that would maybe you would have met them. It would them. make my day to meet Chad and Steve. They they like invented the internet in a way. Literally. Social um, media, essentially. Yeah, basically. Right? Well, no, MySpace was out, but oh, that's Tom true. did that. That's true. Old Tom. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> He's not dead. What are you talking about? MySpace. Oh, I thought you were talking about MySpace Tom. MySpace is dead. No, Tom. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. I did not mean to spread that misinformation. Anyway, I was on YouTube and I was continually feeling like my life outside of YouTube was 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 out. I was coming out like to mm. friends and to family um, in 2013. And I was still acting like the straight college kid on YouTube because I was in the closet for many years and I didn't feel like it was safe for me to come out at my university or like in in my friend circles. And I came to this place in 2013 where I was like, oh my God, I just, I need to do this now. I, I had started coming out to close friends and found a community of accepting people. And I built my confidence up. I talked to my parents. Um, I told them that I was gay. They accepted me. It was a big emotional moment. I actually had a conversation with a Catholic priest. Yeah. Over the phone. Um, my dad like set up this call because he really respected this Catholic priest. And he was like, I think you should talk to him. And I'm like, okay, dad, I, I, I don't really want to, but okay, I will. So I called him and the Catholic priest um, was asking me about like my dating history and things like that. And I'm like, this is kind of weird, but like, literally, I cannot believe that you said yes to that. I know. I would feel so uncomfortable. I, I didn't feel like I honestly, had a choice. I don't, yeah, I didn't feel like I had a choice because oh I had just come out to my dad and he was like, well, I want you to talk to this priest. Like, what am I? <sighs> it's amazing. Yeah. And I didn't want to just like well. shut him down. Yeah. So when I was on this conversation with the priest, he said, it is better to live with integrity than to live a lie. And he said, you will never know God's love if you continue to live a lie. And that to me was so powerful and it really like it stuck with me because I, I, I felt empowered in the sense of like being at this Christian university. Granted, it wasn't Catholic, but I'm talking to a Catholic priest where like for many of them, they believe that, you know, you're, you're going to hell if you're gay. Right. And so for a Catholic priest to like empower me and say, hey, you should you should come out like live your truth, essentially live your truth yeah. and know God's love. I, I, I was like. Okay, well... It'd be amazing if more people who studied theology had that same viewpoint. I, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but that brought me to the point of coming out. And so I made a YouTube video with my coming out story. Talked about the whole thing. It's still online. I posted it up. And then it started getting shared pretty rapidly. Um, and 
Um, good friend, Tyler Oakley. Thank you, Tyler. It. Yeah, thank you, Tyler. Shared it on Tumblr back in the Tumblr days, RIP. And, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I think that's how it landed in your lap, basically. That's no. like what made it popular to well, get on the searches. Potentially, yes. Yeah. So yeah. maybe that's what put it in the sidebar of like suggested videos. But my... So anyways, that was what? 2013. 2013. So that was like spring. Yep. That was like end of May. Nope. Beginning of May, 2013. I was dating a woman. (gasps) (laughs) I I know very little about your dating life before meeting me. Sometime early to mid 2013. And oh, so it was multiple months. Anyways, well, I I don't even remember how Does many months. Does she want to be our surrogate? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but um, I remember that it was like, this was like the third woman that I had dated in college. And I like told myself, like I had this, I just knew that it was like, okay, if this doesn't work out, like we get along <gasps> so it. well. Like it was like a, this is it yes. sort of thing. And I'm just like, Giving there's no way. Giving yourself an ultimatum. It was an ultimatum. Uh-huh. I also... I I had also like just found out or was finding out soon that I was going to be accepted into dental school. And for me, for whatever reason, it was like that relationship didn't work out. And then I got accepted into school and I was like, okay, if shit hits the fan, I'm going to go to dental school. I'm going to be a dentist. I'm going to be okay. Like I'll be able to support myself. You kind of feel like you were getting your independence at that point. Like, Hey, I'm in dental school. I don't have to prove myself anymore. A little bit. Like I feel like that gave me some like credibility. Yeah. Like I wasn't just like a college student or I I wasn't just like a college student with like a music because I had a music degree, (laughs) but I wanted to go to dental school. So I wasn't just like this kid who got a music degree after five years and like didn't know what he was going to do with his life. And like, maybe he's confused. You know, I just didn't want anything to like be uh, sort of like a weak point where somebody could like think, right, maybe this is just a phase or maybe you don't really think this. No. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, I think it was like the confluence of those things. Being a Midwest boy as you were. uh, Yes, yes. Um, And anyway, so then I started my like whole journey, which was coming out to like first friends, then um, like close family who I knew it was going to like go well with. Mm -hmm. And I have seven siblings. So going through all the siblings and trying to tell them in person like took a while. Yeah. Um, But I remember during that process, like trying to then immerse myself into this like community that I tried to like push away for so for so long right so I'm like so I'm on like HuffPost LGBT (gasps) or like Queerty and I'm like trying to like figure out what the heck's going on in like the community blah 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 yeah anyways I stumbled across this article about Mark and Ethan (gasps) and they was like I, I know. RP the relationship, <laughs> also, not the people. They, they they are alive and doing well, but yes. they are no longer dating. Correct. As far as I know. But uh, there was an article about the like a YouTube video of them describing how they yeah. met or something. And then that stumbled into like So you were just going down these rabbit holes basically. So it was a online. rabbit hole of it was a rabbit hole of like gay news. Mark and Ethan. Oh, YouTube. What's this YouTube vlog thing? I just love that Mark and Ethan is like wrapped into gay news in this. It was 2013, 2014. Absolutely. Internet sphere. So then, but then that led me to like, then it was YouTube. And then I was in like gay YouTube universe. Right. And Uh then, and then coming out videos. 
So now I'm watching like all these coming out videos and YouTube's like, boop, boop, boop. You might like this one. You might like this, you know, like Connor sidebar. Troy Stavon, Side- I don't Matthew know. Schuller. I don't know if Connor Franta was out then. You came out before Connor. Oh, I did. You yeah. did, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, right. But anyways, then yours came up and it was very like different than some of the other ones, I think, because the other ones were just like explaining it and they were sort of like you know, like, hey, this is the story, yada, yada, which is kind of how mine ended up being. Right. But yours was, like, very raw, very emotional, very, like, meaningful, I think. And you were planning on going to medical school at the time, and you were in college, and I was in college or, like, in between. I still have never watched my coming out video back, by the way. Really? I Yeah, I've never watched it. I think I watched mine, like once i guess because i edited mine mm-hmm. yours wasn't edited it was one take one it was one take i showed a couple friends before posting it and then but you didn't watch it with them uh i i did but i never watched it back since i posted it yeah yeah, so yeah. i oh, watched God, it back no. like and i was like oh, i don't know and i'd be kind of like walking around pacing like i don't really want to be watching this kind of makes me nervous i don't like watching any video that we oh. post over again. Well, this is going to be hard to edit then. <laughs> in like 10 years, <laughs> I feel like I will look back on them and and be like, yeah. oh, that's great. Same, like, but not my coming trip. out video. Yeah. No, exactly. I, I'm i like, uh, it's okay. It's out there. It's for other people. Um, visibility, et cetera. Help all the things. It Other people's coming out videos helped me. Hopefully mine helps somebody. But anyway... You saw mine and then you decided. I saw yours. And for some reason, I was like, I feel like I need to talk to this kid. <gasps> and did you think I was cute? Yes, I did. Oh, really? Yes, of course. Wow. I was like crying. I mean, in but that, well, yes, but it wasn't. <laughs> sorry. That your coming out video. I, I wasn't like. You can be cute and crying. I you wasn't can be like. cute and crying. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. I wasn't like, ooh, wow, he's so cute during a coming out video. <laughs> I then then I think I then stumbled into yeah. older video. Like I then I followed uh-huh. into your YouTube like video library. Got it. Yeah. And Instagram and et cetera, et cetera. Anyway. So you wanted to talk to me I and did. then you messaged me on Tumblr. I messaged you like everywhere. I guess so. Yeah, I. I, try- I think it. Uh, there was no way for me to message you on Twitter because you didn't follow me or something. That was a thing. Like you couldn't slide into somebody's DMs on Twitter if they didn't follow you. And then Instagram was like the same. I think. Yeah. But there wasn't this. The message system that exists today didn't exist then. Right. So then I was like, oh my gosh, the only like public way to message anybody was Tumblr. Tumblr. And so I wrote this like message of like maybe we'll post it of like. Hey, I don't even know how to log into Tumblr anymore. Of like, hey, this is who I am. We sound like we have similar stories. Would love to chat. Because I had also recently started like a YouTube channel of like just trying to do some fun stuff. I was on a break and I was like, I don't know if I can continue doing this in dental school. Like, is that weird? Is that unprofessional? And he was going to go to med school. So I was like, well, you've been doing this for years. I'm really curious. Like, are you going to keep doing it in med school? Are you? Everybody was saying to delete social media at that point. Yeah. If you were going to be a professional thing. at all, they were like, wipe your existence off the internet. Like, it's right. going to hurt you and not, you know. People were so scared of the internet back then in the sense of I mean, it, like, ruining are. your career. Yeah, that's true. But just, like, anything online. Like, oh, if you have a public Facebook profile, anybody could go on there I specifically and remember them saying, like, if you're applying for a job and you have a, a picture of you 
and you're underage and you're holding like a an alcoholic beverage, like they will not hire you. Like now you it's will... like, oh, you you're a businessman. Well, how many followers do you have on Instagram? It's literally like, <laughs> oh, you want to do X Y Z in any sort of like media marketing, <sighs> advertising, acting, modeling it's career. Just like that Black Mirror episode. It's just like, oh, sorry if you haven't built up an online presence. Like, holy crap! I know. <laughs> how backwards. So, anyways doesn't respond to tumblr then i didn't see it by the way well, it's mean, not that i was checking no. their tumblr messages it I was a shot did, in the dark but it was more like um i was more using tumblr like a dating app <laughs> let's be a honest dating app? I, yeah i was looking for cuties on tumblr <laughs> yeah and it's not like i didn't think you were cute i just didn't know you were messaging me because i wasn't following you and like but tumblr everybody was like just reposting like cute like if if ethereal or like, like teen wolf fan fiction which is oh i the was rabbit not into hole that i was down i was not into that at oh all. my god i was mm. <laughs> <laughs> sorry tangent <laughs> yeah anyway that was the universe i was living in at the time so i guess how everything then culminated was a year after matthew came out this would have been april um 2014 april 2014 six months like after i came out yada yada Came out to your close friends and family, at least. Correct. Yeah. But you got to the point where you're like, okay, now let's maybe do something with YouTube. Because you were on YouTube at that point. You had posted several videos. You were starting to be a YouTuber. Ish. Yes. Starting to be a YouTuber with 400 followers. Correct. <laughs> um, everybody starts somewhere. Yeah. Um, I was like, get it. And I knew that I wanted to post a coming out video. Like, I was pretty confident, one, that I wanted to do it, two... Um, that that is how I would help disseminate the information to like the Facebook um, mass of people that like I'm not going to call or message individually. Right. You know, when you're back then you have like what, seven, eight hundred friends on Facebook or something. You're like, I'm not going to tell all of you, but here's a video. So I knew that I wanted to do it. And then you posted a one year after. Exactly. I posted that one year after coming out video and it was just kind of like my reflection on the past year of being out at a Christian university where you were not supposed to be out or gay and kind of like the pros and the cons that I had experienced up until that point and like the hardships and the just the things that I was dealing with and what I was processing throughout the time. And I encouraged um, everybody and anybody, if they had not posted a coming out video yet, um, to do so if they were in a place in their life where they felt like they safely could and that it would be beneficial to them. Mm-hmm. So um, Michael saw that video. He did. And he was, I, I think you were the first person to post a video response well, to I it. Well, I think I did it within like 24 hours. Yeah, you or did. 48 hours. Within 48 hours, at least. I think I at the very most. I mean, it, edited it. And yeah, I either, it was insane. How many days are there in April? No, I. you posted it like on May 1st. I posted I, it on May 1st, but yours was April 30th. 30th, yeah. So it's Last 30, day of April, so you posted it the very next day. Okay, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is why I was so hours. surprised when you tweeted me and you're like, hey, check out my coming out video. And I clicked on it and you even used, I made these little like, these little this like banner. overlay banners and graphics to put on it and be like my coming out journey. Oh, I thought it was like hashtag this is my story. This, yeah, hashtag this is my is story. Right? Uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. Take notes. <laughs> <laughs> All the memes. It was like um hashtag this is my story. And then oh, it was so cute. And then you had your coming out video and you're like oh my god, your eyes were so like auburn and beautiful. And I just remember like looking at it and being like 
this man is so handsome. <laughs> Who is he? I was just like butterflies. Like, I don't Aww. know what kind of camera you had for that, but it was, oh my God, that lighting. Literally like a Canon ES 100L for yes, something. but at the time it was revolutionary. Revolutionary. And I was like, he is cute. And so I started doing a little bit of stalking, was clicking on your videos. You have this one video on your YouTube channel where you have your shirt off and you jump off of this like dock or boat into yes. the lake and you're just like muscular and you're like your little summer body from your drum corps days. And I was like, Oh my God, who is this corn fed <laughs> Midwestern man who just takes off his shirt and jumps in a lake? That was like a challenge with like this um, college group of anatomy interns where we like, you know, like your lab intern or whatever, yeah. or whatever they called, lab TA, teaching assistant, where they would like teach the lab portion of the class. Anyways, it was all of us and we called it the Cream Master Open. Cream? Cream, cream the Cream Master. Cream? Cream master or cream right. master? I don't know, but at that point, Anyways, I had look it up. I had like <laughs> never met a gay midwesterner. <laughs> had you been out of Oregon? No, like, um, I mean, yes. Had you seen I, I, the middle of the country? No, I had never been yeah. to the Midwest. I had I had taken a train through it, but I'd never been to the Midwest. And wow. so, I was a little, I was kind of fascinated by you. Um, I'm quite fascinating. You're quite fascinating. Being this like Seattle boy, and I don't know. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> he's probably like, you know, like jockey and like so not Seattle grunge, like not the not the Capitol Hill gay who like is going to the clubs and stuff. Like this yeah, person yeah, yeah. looks like he has things figured out in life. Like oh. whoa. You look very adult. I, and I was like, wow, this man, he's so mature. And <laughs> I don't know, just like the little bits that I got from your coming out video and from mm -hmm. what I could like find on your YouTube channel, doing a little bit of stalking within like a 20 minute period. And then I <laughs> just furiously yeah, typing on just this. furiously. And then I tweeted you back in the most flirtatious way I could. We so anyways, that is how we ultimately connected is that I tweeted it at you mm -hmm. tagged you whatever and then you retweeted it or replied or something and i was like got him <laughs> i was like Hook, got his attention and, and then i think somehow bring me back to the days of connected like, on facebook i'm just having a flashback to this like loose flirting situation on twitter on tumblr on youtube back when the days were like I, I, I don't want to say it more was simple. Yeah. It was, it was simpler yeah. times. It was, it was just like cute tweets back and forth, like little winky faces. And oh my God. Um. So eventually then, I mean, you'd seen me via Twitter, YouTube, and then I somehow connected with you on Facebook. It was that night. And Same I was day. like, Type, 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 hi, would love to chat sometime, whatever, whatever. And you responded immediately with your number. Yeah. So this this man. <laughs> You're like, I'm a, I was like, I'm a stranger, but okay. He has, you, you, okay. For one, you had the audacity <laughs> to look up, I am a stranger at this point. And you looked up a stranger on Facebook in 2014, which is almost called stalking back then. And then you messaged me. And 
And then I had the audacity to be like, yes, accept your friend request. I will message you back. And here is my phone number. This is how you reach me. I had a few years of YouTube videos to like confirm of like an idea of who you were. Right. Yeah. So I didn't feel that uncomfortable. And I mean, I think that's maybe more understandable now. Like people feel like they get to know people online. It's like when they see them in person, they're not that surprised about how they act or who they are. And they feel probably feel more comfortable meeting them than somebody that they've never seen talk or make a video or post an Instagram post or something. But I feel like things moved so quickly after this point because, I mean, I messaged you back. I gave you my phone number. We immediately started texting and it was like, we should talk on Skype. Let's, yes. Which is funny because you had my phone number and I had your phone number, but we were still like, let's Skype. Um, so. I know. Was FaceTime a thing, though? Uh, I don't. I don't. No, I don't. I like, don't think FaceTime existed. If it did, then it wasn't as um, reliable on like my college Wi-Fi. As, That's so interesting. Yeah. Because, yeah, we would just otherwise we would, would just totally FaceTime get on Skype. Now, right? right. But we were on Skype instead. Yes, we did. So we got on Skype that night and we just started talking and we talked for like, over an hour I at least. It was like two hours. Yeah, probably two hours. I don't remember, to be honest with you. <laughs> we were just ch- chatting away. It was away. all a blur. I was all titterpated. <laughs> Twitterpated. I don't know. This means like hot and <laughs> nervous. Were you nervous? I mean, I guess like kind of it didn't feel like there was a lot of um a lot to lose in the situation of like meeting somebody and maybe they were weird or they didn't like me or whatever and it's fine but we like talked and and so it's that didn't seem like it was like super risky or anything right but but yeah i think anytime you meet somebody for the first time or you're talking for the first time um uh, then yeah that I could be a little bit nervous. I wasn't like super nervous though. The funny thing is, is that even though I I feel like I was maybe subtly flirting or I thought I was being coy and not being like super direct with where my feelings were or that I thought you were cute or that I liked you. And um, we just never said that we liked each other in more than a friend's way until we met in person. Right. Well, and then that, that was many it was like weeks of like daily skypes daily texts daily snapchat stories yada 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 and yes it was it was like a little bit flirty but it was all but it wasn't ever very like overtly like said out loud no i wasn't like eggplant emoji eggplant emoji squirting water emoji both very innocent catholic (laughs) newly out boys (laughs) Ooh, (laughs) sorry um anyway so we we were we were chatting um on skype over the phone every day and honestly since that time when you posted that coming out video as a video response to mine um, there's never been a day that we have not talked since that day, which is freaking insane to me. Unless you were mad at me. Unless I was mad at you. Yes, but those <laughs> days don't count. Anyway, so <laughs> it, I think it was about six or seven days after we had started talking. So this is the first week, second week of May 2014. And we were chatting one day over like... 
we should meet. We should meet up sometime. Like, let's hang out. And I know we live like 1,500, 2,000 miles away from each other, but like, how can we make this happen? And then you brought up, oh, there's a YouTube gathering in August in Seattle. Maybe I can come out and visit then. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, that sounds great. But you know what would be even better is if you came out, uh, I don't know, like, what are you doing at the beginning of June? I think, no, I think the, the, the way that the text read was, what if I want you to come out sooner? Yeah, it did. It did. <laughs> it, it sounded a little bit like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. So I was like, well, I was going to, I was planning on going to this convention. Uh-huh. It was called Vlogger Fair. I don't know, even know if they still have that. They don't. Um, <laughs> but I was like, oh, I'll, I'll just come out in August. Like, it'll be great. We'll get to meet super convenient there's like something to do but then then he prodded a little bit right and yeah. was just like well whatever i want to do sooner and i was like oh okay, okay let's look at dates and figure something out so i figured out um i guess it was really I, I don't know if it was just that it happened really quick i think it was the it was that you were available that weekend i was just why it happened so yeah, fast it was like the weekend before finals week and i had i was like ah, my finals aren't gonna be super intense will be a little bit intense but i can i i can do this i got it Mm -hmm. um so i was like trying to study in advance and i worked really hard for those three weeks leading up to that first weekend of june um to like prepare myself and make sure everything was ready um but then it was like you neither of us were really (laughs) financially ready for figuring anything out long distance because I mean, you were literally going to American Red Cross to donate blood so that you could have enough money to purchase your ticket. It was a plasma clinic. A plasma clinic. I was donating plasma. Yeah. So you decided to buy a ticket to Seattle. I did. You bought the plane ticket. It was not cheap. And then what happened? I don't... I think I was supposed to leave on like June 3rd. <gasps> it was and that late oh my god see i don't remember anything i was supposed to leave june 3rd and there's this huge storm is that what you're talking about yeah the huge storm that happened the huge storm that came into omaha um the night that i was flying out and my flight was like delayed 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 and then they were like just kidding we're shutting down the entire airport it's like flooded like the literal runway was like flooding um and i was like of course, like the day that I'm going to fly out, this happens. And I wasn't sure if they were going to open the airport in the morning. I was like, well, I don't know. So did you go to like another airport or yes, did you stay in course. Omaha? I, of course. <gasps> I was yeah. like, I called and I was like, are they going to open the airport in the morning? And they're like, we don't know. Like we don't have anything for sure because we don't know what the weather's going to do. And so I was like, well, I need to go to Seattle. Committed to meet this boy. Me. I committed to meet this boy and I need to go to Seattle now. So I asked if I could fly out of Sioux Falls because that's mm-hmm. like close to where I grew up and it was three hours away from just three Omaha. hours north. I mean, it's totally not like fine. that big of a deal, but um, <laughs> I don't remember. I think I left that night. Yeah, you basically drove through the tornado in order to get to Sioux Falls. Well, I was like, this isn't going to be that bad to drive through i guess i don't even remember i guess it was kind of stormy i don't know (laughs) it was pretty bad i I remember you sending me pictures and i was like oh my god i can't remember if i drove that night or the next morning i think you drove that night and then you maybe stayed at your sister's oh man yeah maybe 
But anyways, then I caught a flight out of Sioux Falls and somehow got to Seattle. Somehow. To Chicago. I don't remember. Anyways, doesn't matter. I got there. And I went and picked you up from the airport. And that's when all of the magical things started to happen. You were glowing. Uh, yeah. Sparks were flying out of your ears. I made a sign for you that said, welcome to Seattle, Michael. And it yeah. had like the Seattle skyline drawn on it really poorly, but I still drew it. It's gorgeous. Thank you. We still have the sign. We kept it. It's somewhere. You kept it. It's somewhere. Thankfully. Yeah, it's somewhere in a shoebox or something. And so right there, like we embrace in the lobby of the airport at baggage claim. We get in my car. We're driving back. And I had this whole plan for us for the whole weekend. I'm like, there's so many things that we're going to do. We drove immediately to Capitol Hill. I parked outside of one of my favorite cafes. I was mm -hmm. like, I'm going to show him real Seattle coffee. So we both got an iced coffee. It. Of course, we got a nice coffee. And then we started walking down to Pike Market. So I'm like, well, we'll just walk through the entire city. And if you've ever been to Seattle, Capitol Hill and Pike Market are not close. They are not close together. Mm -mm. It is like a 40-minute walk to go from Capitol Hill down to Pike Place Market. It just, it was far. Yeah. It was a lot. But I'm like, this gives us a chance to get to know each like other. We were young. And it was a nice day. It was cute. Oh, it was really nice. It was beautiful out. Yeah. I didn't even think about the fact that it was like early June and now like living in the Northwest that that could have been like rainy and dreary. Oh, totally. Yeah. It was actually, it was nice the whole weekend. But we were walking into Pike Market and I wanted to show you um, them like throwing the fish. You mm -hmm. know, they throw the fish and they catch the fish and it's a big thing and everyone cheers. And he was like, here. <gasps> There's so many people in this in this crowded area. Please hold my hand while I walk hold you there. Hold my hand. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I know. And I, man, that was smooth, right? You were so smooth. But the thing is that once I like grabbed your hand, I didn't want to let go. Didn't let go. So I just was like, at this point I'm blushing. And we're like walking through Pike Market and I'm just like, I have this stupid grin on my face. He did, but he very stupid. You couldn't see my face because I'm not facing you. I'm Correct. like guiding you through the crowd of people. Mm -hmm. um, and we go down to this like comic book store where they have these cutout, like these cardboard cutouts of famous people. And I showed you my favorite ones, which was like the One Direction group. Do you remember mm -hmm. those cardboard cutouts? Mm -hmm. and I, just, I knew your I knew your brand at that point. Yeah. I was like, this is my favorite. Yeah, Here's yeah. Nile. And then we walked outside and there was this guitar player playing um oh what what's it called? It's the Google Dolls, Google Dolls Iris. Is yes. it called Iris? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Big throwback. At this point, we're still holding hands and we're listening to the Google Dolls. And mm -hmm. I just I thought it was a really cute moment, and it's one of those I would say core memories because mm -hmm. it sticks out in my mind so vividly. We walk down to the waterfront after that and I don't even know what we're talking about. But then we get down to the docks mm -hmm. um, or the piers and we were standing on the piers. We're looking out. We're looking at the skyline. And I was feeling a certain type of way at this point. And I think I was too. This boy has been holding my hand. Yeah. For like 45 minutes. That's how they get you. And then... What did you say to me? Um, I think you were like looking out at the water and I was just like, then I put my arms kind of <gasps> like up and around you. And I think I gave you kind of like a hug right mm -hmm. from behind. And then I just was like, 
so when can I kiss you? And then you were like, oh, right now. And then it was just like I didn't very like notebook that. moments, like very Ryan Gosling, Rachel McAdams, it fireworks, was like, uh, all the things. Like unleashing the floodgates. Yep. I think Matthew like wet himself a little bit. <laughs> it's like when you open up a dam and all the water comes out. Stop. <laughs> Sorry, I, I it was a lot. Like I I had kissed other boys before previous to that, mm -hmm. but it felt like a first time. Oh you know, it was one of those first time moments of like, oh my god. I, I just like there was definitely butterflies. I think that's true too. Like I had um you weren't like the first boy that I kissed, but at the same <gasps> time it was like <laughs> shocker. Um <laughs> But it was one of those feelings of like, oh, this feels really good. This feels really right. This feels really like, yeah, feels like a really uh, strong connection, like immediately. I don't and know. then we had to walk all the way back up to Capitol Hill because we, we were did. both dirt poor and we were not going to pay for an Uber or a taxi or whatever. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we'll ever. But the whole walk up to <laughs> Capitol Hill was pretty fun because we just kept making out. At different places. Well, Matthew kept pointing at me like, I'm going to make out with you there. I'm going to make out with you there. I'm going to make out with you there. And I was like, wow, this boy went from zero to 100 real, <laughs> real quick. Fast. Like, he, yeah. wow, he was in. I Up did not know he was point, that invested. We had not even acknowledged or said anything about the fact of like being attracted to each other about liking each other more than mm -hmm. friends we were very platonic in the way that we spoke to each other mm -hmm. and then like out of nowhere michael's like oh can i kiss you out of nowhere well we were holding hands but like platonically <laughs> holding hands well you know like i think the word is it was platonic and we were platonically platonically okay yeah. well like platonically oh. holding hands <laughs> It was cute. It was cute. It wasn't sexual. I, mean, yeah, I thought it was. Oh, well, no. it didn't feel sexual. It was play. play and then, tonic. like, as soon as you kissed me, I was like, oh, I hit puberty, and now we're making out <laughs> everywhere. And <laughs> that, like, really changed the tone of yeah, the weekend together. It did. Um, so I bring back this boy from the Midwest to my Christian University dormitory. And <laughs> like, I am the resident advisor. I'm like, this is my friend. He's staying with me this weekend. <laughs> I just, I'm like, I don't know how I got away with this stuff because like I had come out on campus at this point. Like people knew oh, I was gay. That's true. And I'm like bringing this boy who Which I met funny online. Any other campus, it like would not be a big deal other than like a Christian university. Like, where you have these very rigid rules about yeah. like lifestyle expectations and how you're not supposed to be sexual or kiss or do anything with. Or have anybody like over that you might be interested sexually in. Sexually attracted to. Yeah. yeah. But the rules were not clear for same gender attraction at that point because the campus had not acknowledged that um gay people exist <laughs> so we love when ignorance <laughs> plays in our favor <laughs> yeah i was like well this is just my friend he's just spending mm -hmm. the night mm -hmm. we're just bros being bros and it's exactly what we were <laughs> um so everything was like wonderful and great and beautiful and then it was the second day that you were there and the second day that you were there, we decided to, well, I was going to skip class and play hooky. And then we were going to take a boat over to Bambridge Island um, and experience Bambridge Island and have a cute day. 
So we went over there. We got on the boat. We went across. We were walking around. We were like, oh, this is bougie, but this is really cute. I like it. We got back on the boat and we started to make our way back. And at this point, we had been gone for like six hours, just like cruising around. And I remember I got a text message on the boat um, on, on our way back to Seattle. And it was from a friend. And my friend was like, I'm I'm hiding on campus. Um, there's an active shooter. And I was like, oh, my God, are you OK? Are you OK? And all of a sudden, all these text messages just started pouring in from friends of mine who were on campus and they were hiding and they were like asking, are you OK? Are you on campus? Mm-hmm. Where are you? And granted, I'm a resident advisor, so I have a whole floor of guys who I cared deeply about Mm -hmm. and i mean that was like my family you know and i i was just my heart sank to my stomach because i didn't know where my friends were or where anybody from my floor was and i didn't know how serious the situation was on campus and my phone was at what like two percent three percent it was low battery that's right and we saw the swat cars going down the highway because we were on the ferry, right? We were on the yeah, ferry, we were on the and we were ferry. looking at the skyline of Seattle. And, and coming back. To... There was this highway that yeah. runs just, like, right across the... Like, right in front of the skyline. And we saw the SWAT cars just going down. Mm-hmm. It's sirens on, everything. And everybody on the boat's looking and pointing and, like, what's going on? And I... my <laughs> Right then, my phone dies. Mm. And... I I was just like, what do we do? What do we do? That night I had work at that restaurant in Capitol Hill. I couldn't get off of my shift. And I was supposed to be working at this restaurant. Um, And so I'm like, oh my God, I have to get back to campus though. And you didn't know what to do either because it was like, we can't go back to campus right now. Like literally the SWAT team's going, we don't know what's happening. We don't know if the active shooter is still active if anybody's injured or if it's even safe to go back so what do we do mm-hmm. um fast forward to we did we charge your phone like somehow we figured out how to like get a hold of somebody either through your phone or like i remembered somebody's number mm-hmm. and asked them to look someone up and then i like was able to get on the phone with somebody via your phone and kind of like make a plan and figure out how we can get back to campus and what to do so we ended up getting back to campus that night Um, I only took a half shift because I remember halfway through I was literally breaking down because the people I was serving at that restaurant, like there was families I was serving at that restaurant and they were talking about the shooting and I'm sitting there like filling their glasses and I'm just like, I I cannot be here right now. Like I need to go back. I need to be with my floor. So, um, I meet you back on campus and we go to this candlelight vigil and we're talking just before the candlelight vigil and I remember I just break down. I'm crying. You're holding me. And it was this really intense moment where we're like, I mean, you had just flown in the Mm -hmm. other day. And like 48 hours ago, I hadn't even known. I'd I'd known you for like, what, a month at that point? Not even a month. About a month. About a month. Like talking. Yeah. And here we are kind of like experiencing this really surreal school shooting moment together. Um, and we're talking about life and death. We're about to go to this candlelight vigil. Um, yeah, it was a lot of um, circumstance that like really focused, I think, the 
amount of time that we had together instead of just being like fun and flighty it was sort of like oh this is life and this is you know a really deeply impactful experience and we're sharing it together like right away yeah it was super intense yeah so that completely changed everything for us yeah i think it just added like a layer of um I don't know what you would call it. Like, uh, not heaviness, but like... We're taking things layer seriously. Of reality, yeah. Layer of reality to like the weekend and maybe what this means and what our time together might mean. And anyways, we... I think we... Completely kind of, changed my perspective of like, oh, this is just a fun thing. Like, let's see where things go to like, wow, this is somebody who is supporting me and who I am really interested in and who now I, I, I feel like I, I don't know if I can like imagine my life without them 48 hours in 48 hours in <laughs> like in a way i mean but i mean here we are yeah the next day we were at a bar um because i i i think we just needed to get off campus and, and we were, we were we like and met a friend of mine that's right we did who was living there yeah, yeah they just moved there and so we had these plans already set and we're like we're gonna go meet these people for a drink and have my friends meet your friends and we went out um and we're just talking about everything and we got in this kind of heavy conversation and um that's when the l word slipped through three days in (laughs) yeah i mean when we say that things were moving fast they were like it was lightning speed fast it was so fast um, who said I love you first? So I am pretty sure I said it. And if I'm being honest, it was sort of like a, I was kind of like, oh, man, I love you. And then, <gasps> and really? then, and then, oh, that's not how I remember and it. And then all. you, that, that's the way I remember. It. And then you were kind of like, <gasps> and you like paused and oh, like, yes, oh, I do remember that I part. I love you too. And I was like, oh, well, you know what? Yeah, why not? I love you. Wow. I mean, like, oh my God, the way that you're explaining this. I wasn't, I wasn't uncomfortable with the the, like depth that you had reciprocated that with. Um, But I think that's like uh, sort of emblematic of like our personalities as well. It's just like, absolutely. I'm a little bit um, more like lighter um, at first. And Mm -hmm. I think you are just ready to go and, going deep and and with the, with the yeah. emotions real hard right out on my sleeve just yep, showing yep. just bleeding out so, so but anyways and i was like well yeah i do i mean like we've talked for a long time i i mean it felt like like every day for a month and then meeting in person was just sort of like a that a was the solidifying. first time i said i love you to somebody wow was it the first time you said i love you to somebody not to put you on the spot or anything, but I would that love to know. That is a great <laughs> question. The only other time I might have said that was that like first relationship I had when I was younger. Like with a female? No. <gasps> oh. Wait, wait, wait. No, I did say I love you to a, uh, um, a high school girlfriend. Oh my God. I did. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. And then things went sideways yeah as as they do just far more invested in me than i was in her (laughs) oh shocker everything worked out yeah (laughs) r.i.p that relationship so all that to say like throughout that weekend 
Michael was there supporting me. He was supporting like my family on the floor, my floor family. And it was just a really real time. And did we even like, we started discussing some pretty serious things during that weekend. Oh, totally. Like we're like, okay, when are you coming back next? When am I going to come visit you? Mm -hmm. Let's figure this out. I think you booked your flight um, to Nebraska before I left. That's right. It was like the day that I was leaving and you booked the flight so that we knew that we had something to look forward to. Right. But in between then and your flight, did you wait? Car got stolen. Yes, (laughs) it did. Okay. That's the next part of the story. I know. I was just going to ask if like, did we, did we discuss like having kids or anything during that time? I cannot confirm or deny if we got into the family discussion. I really wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if, if like it came up as like a, do you want a family someday? And I was like, oh yeah, of course I want a family someday. We we actually talked about that on Skype before you even flew out. Mm. Like these, I mean, these are topics that a lot of people don't bring up for many months of dating. To me, I'm from such a big family that, to that was an obvious yes yeah so like do you want a family do you want kids it's like of course everybody wants that <laughs> I, d- I didn't realize until i was older that that some people are like eh, no i'm good yeah. like i had right. no idea i'd never met people who didn't have kids by choosing to not have kids it was always like they were, you know, they just never met someone and they were single or right. they, you know, they tried, but they weren't able to. I'd never met somebody who like voluntarily was like, interesting. I'm not having kids. Oh, and I, I was can surrounded remember. Surrounded by people who did not want to have kids. Yeah, I don't know. That's just fascinating. But it was Seattle. So, um, yeah. Going back to the car fiasco. Yeah. So your car got stolen. Yeah. That was, so I, I, Michael went back to Nebraska and I went through my finals week um, and we were like still in recovery mode from the shooting and everything that had happened. So everything on campus was just kind of like thrown off and um, graduation just it didn't really feel like graduation. You know, it was it was kind of like we we're all still dealing with it. It was traumatic for everybody involved yeah. on campus, off campus. Everybody knew somebody who was involved in the shooting and it was very scary and so we were still mourning and figuring things out at graduation and it just kind of like set the tone um the whole that whole period of my life it completely changed me like mentally emotionally psychologically yeah it changed the wiring of my brain because of how significant like the events were that all played out over that one month two month period it's a lot of trauma it was a lot. School shooting and your car getting stolen. And it wasn't just the car getting stolen. I'm going to explain. It was, I was, it was the day after graduation. I was moving out of my dorm. Um, and the plan was to take all of my stuff that I own, put it inside my car and drive my car back to my parents' house in Oregon, about four and a half hours south. Um, and so I got everything in my car and my plan was to, drive out the next morning so i stayed the night at my friend's house and um the next morning i was just driving to i drove to a cafe um i stopped to go go in and get coffee i turned my car off i locked my door took my keys with me went into the cafe saw a friend in there sat down started talking to the friend car full of everything you own and (laughs) this is a church parking lot by the way this is a church parking lot in a church cafe in seattle 
I go out to the church parking lot and my car is gone. The worst. No sign. No sign of anybody. I've like gone out and forgotten where I parked my car and thought that it was taken. And even for like a brief second, just the emotional like toll that that takes of like, oh my God, is my car gone? It feels like the, like this, like just the blood rushing out of your head, like just completely, just all the way down. I could feel like the tingly sensation go all the way down to my toes Ugh. is, oh man, it's awful. So uh, I, I'm like looking around frantically for it. I have my phone with me and I start calling people immediately and I'm like, oh my God, I think my car's stolen. I can't find it anywhere. And they're like, have you looked around the block? Like you need to start looking. And so I'm running up and down the sidewalk and I'm next to this highway and um, or this, I don't know, boulevard, something between a boulevard and a highway. It's a very busy road. Mm-hmm. And um, I like r- run up and down the road and I look across. There's a barrier in between the, the roads from like, uh, you know, like four lanes going one way, four lanes going sure. the other way. You have the barrier in between. So you can't really cross the road to the other side, but I'm looking over the barrier and I see this white car and I don't know, I can't, I it's too far away to know if it's mine or not but i'm like i think that's my car and it's like going between other cars and so i start like running down the road chasing after it like screaming (laughs) and i see it go across the bridge and i just drop on the ground and start yelling like (laughs) what the hell um and just to give you context i was doing a lot of photography at the time so i had um like three or four different hard drives in there with everything that I had created from like the beginning of high school on. Um, I did not have copies. Years. It was just years years and years of photography, videography, all my YouTube videos, all of my projects. Um, I had $20,000 of camera equipment in the car that I had (sighs) one from YouTube as a part of this like educational program that I took part in, in 2013. So Literally everything that I owned that had value was gone. All of my clothes, everything. And I got this plastic, I had this plastic bag. I went to the grocery store and I got a plastic bag with um, like a toothbrush, some toothpaste, um, underwear, and just the necessities. And I took a public bus home with that bag um, back to Albany, the Oregon. Bus. The Bolt bus, yeah, which you can get a ticket for a dollar, but I got mine for like 35 and it was like the last $35 in my bank account. It's like, thank you. And you arrived back in Oregon with a grocery bag of whatever you had left on you. And wearing the same clothes that I had worn, like. Yeah. <laughs> so I had actually called Matthew that day and I called him right after his car got stolen, not knowing that it was stolen. And I called him and I was like, hey, how's it going? And he was like, sorry, I can't talk right now. My car just got stolen. And I was like, oh, God, okay, bye. And then I was like, holy shit, like, what? (laughs) Yeah. car just got stolen? And then... I don't know, like, what was going through your mind? You're like, I had just met this boy. He's had a school shooting. I had an STD. That's a whole nother story. In the week between... I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have to do a deep dive on that another time. But, like... So, I... I... I'm obviously, like really concerned when you hang up the phone and I'm like, Oh my God, his car just got stolen. Like, what can I do? How can I help? 
And then I think you called me back later. And I don't know if I'd already decided like, oh my gosh, I need to like go. I need to be there. I need to show up. Right. And I, then you called me later and kind of like debriefed me on the whole thing. And the, again, college, poor. I got like, called my dad and I was like, can I have money for a flight? This boy that I just met's car got stolen and I need to fly out to, to, to Oregon so that I can be supportive. And he was like, okay, sure. <laughs> like, Which I have no idea like how your parents. Just my dad's grew. so chill. That's why you asked my dad. He's just like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. That makes sense. Amazing. Yeah. He was incredible. Like, so I think he, he gave me like whatever, like 500 bucks to try and like buy this flight. Um, and I flew out like two days later, a day or two later and showed up at your parents' house. And I was like, hi, I'm the boy that your son met like two weeks ago. And now I'm here. He showed up at my parents' house and then we immediately had my graduation party. So I met his family. The graduation party was planned for months. We weren't going to cancel it. His aunts, his uncles. Do you remember? We went shopping and I like got a shirt for my graduation party. So I had something to wear. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was weird. It was crazy. Yeah. It was a really weird time because I'm seeing all of my aunts and uncles and, and, and really close friends from high school and all these people I had never, ever introduced to a boy. Yeah. I, I think it was, maybe it was just so helpful that I was like so newly in this environment and I was just so like naive and I was just like, Oh yeah, of course. Like boys you meet, um, on the internet and in person for like four days, of course he would show up at your door on graduation if your car got stolen and to like right. show support i don't know and we hadn't even decided that we were like dating or boyfriends or anything it was like over that those like four or five days or whatever that i was there it was the day of my graduation party that we decided that I was we like, were going we to boyfriends? because well the question came up it was like how are we going to how like i'm like <laughs> I think michael, your mom was like how do i introduce this person right and i'm like michael how do i introduce you are we dating like are you a friend i don't know how i phrased it but i'm like we gotta figure out uh, like because we hadn't really officially asked each other to be boyfriends or whatever we didn't put a title or name to it um but i do remember my mom was like oh i made the guest room up for michael he has a whole room to himself and i'm like absolutely not and matthew was like you think that i'm gonna have my car stolen and he's gonna sleep in a different room and she was just like okay okay whatever fine (laughs) yeah which also audacity i don't know like i don't know how, how you parents, got away with that yeah i don't know how my parents allowed that either because it was a whole <laughs> agree. thing of like wow <laughs> wow matthew <laughs> a lot's been happening lately in your life and they're like you know what we don't want to deal with it you know what fine <laughs> now there's this random boy from the midwest who has shown up at our doorstep and now he is sharing Sleeping your in the same bed. bed with yeah. you yeah totally normal <laughs> totally fine <laughs> first boyfriend god bless your parents yeah oh my gosh and then <laughs> then you came out and visited over the 4th of July. We met my family. Um, we stayed in Nebraska for a little bit. So within two months, both of us had met each other's families. Yep. We had seen our childhood homes. Uh, we had gone through some pretty significant, crazy life events together and managed to go through all of that 
pretty conflict free or like mm -hmm. at least the conflicts that were coming up we were problem solving in a decent way which was really interesting at like the beginning stages of a relationship and then um <laughs> basically in august we decided like okay well if we're gonna make this work then we need to be together and I'm discussing this with my mom and I'm like, mom, I don't know if I can like move out to the Midwest. Like why? I, I just don't know if that would work. And I didn't have the option to move because I had just, I was starting dental, like, school. dental school in the fall. It was like, there wasn't like a, like a, oh, just kidding. Like, I'm not going to go to dental school anymore. Like I kind of was, I was stuck. So I was like, well. And my whole plan was to move back to Seattle. Uh, live you hit roadblocks. Live in Capitol Hill. Yeah. Because you were looking for like some sort of like lab position or some sort right. of like, I don't know, sciencey thing. And I was looking at applying for medical school while I was like working up in Capitol Hill, whatever. Mm -hmm. But after the shooting, my car, my car getting stolen. Um, <laughs> and then I lost my job because my car was stolen. I couldn't get to work after that. And all you know, all that, all that stuff decided, yeah, I'm not going back to Seattle. <laughs> Can't even afford it at this point. Mm -hmm. So, um, then when the option when we were talking and it was like oh well you could just move out to nebraska and we could see if things work i was like maybe that's not a bad idea i was so audacious yeah as a 24 year old so talking to my mom i'm like i don't i just don't know if if like would you support me if i did that is that too soon and she told me she said the worst thing that can happen is it doesn't work out and then you just come back home. Mm -hmm. So you might as well try. Yay, Kim. Like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, I guess that is the worst thing that can happen. I don't know if at that or point murders you. I had enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> and In the episode of 2020. So you, get, you exactly. get to be on 2020. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I don't know if I had the confidence at that point in time to, like, make that decision for myself. I really needed that extra push and that support because i did i loved you and i was just so afraid uh, rightly so yeah <laughs> it was just like very i'm like i am terrified i mean i got i mean I, all i had to do was just like stay put you know and like I just add you into life you had to like move and find somewhere to live and adjust to this place with no friends but i think like all those really crazy events that occurred right when we met that made it so much easier for me to move anyway. Cause it made it feel like, what did you have to lose? It, yeah, exactly. I, mean, I was of. like, I was like now or never, what do I have to lose? Nothing really. Or like there's nothing. Yeah. There wasn't anything like tying you down, I guess specifically in that like moment of transition, not a lot of physical objects either to like yeah. move with me. So well, yeah, that's true. You did own nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then basically, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say the rest is history, but lived in Nebraska for four years. It was a struggle. Holy crap! Yeah, that was a, yep. Do not recommend unless you are head over heels in love with somebody. We made it work. You made it work. You did great. Graduated, and the deal was we moved to Oregon, which we did, and here we are ready to become dads. Daddies. Crazy. I know. 
It's been it's nine weird to fast years. Fast forward it that far. It's been nine years since that time. Bonkers. Yeah. Nebraska feels like it felt like such a long, drawn out thing for you, but it also feels like a blip, kind of. Right. But it was, and it was like where we tested, like all the things I think got tested. Oh my God. In yeah. The relationship. And then we got married right before we like moved to Oregon. And then that just feels like it was, it's kind of been like life. And it we was like a test. And then consistently discussed like having a family, having kids in the future, but mm-hmm. we didn't know how we would go about it. It was just kind of like yeah. we, this desire of like, yes, we want to have kids. We want to have a family. When I'm very process oriented. So I was like, well, let me start my job. We were renting. I was like, I don't want to start trying to find out how to have kids until we have a house. So let's wait till we get a house. We got a house May of 2020. That was a whole other ordeal. And now that we have have our house and we kind of feel like somewhat settled in life, we think that we're ready to add some kids to the mix. Other than our fur babies who are running around the house right now. Yes. Our cat is destroying something on the desk and our dog is probably going to attack her soon. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that is our cue to wrap up. I mean, I think that that was great. A wrap up of how we met. Lots of crazy events, I think, brought us together in the the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's going to be, there's so much time to dive into how we decided to start our surrogacy journey and why we wanted to have family. Yeah. That was great. 100%. Way to go. So I'm going to let you close this out because I'm not familiar with how we do podcasty things yet. I'm still learning. Oh, 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 sure, sure, sure. No, no, no problem. I mean, essentially, we just say like, thanks for listening. <gasps> thanks um, for listening. We cannot wait to expand on all things us and our journey through surrogacy and we're also going to loop in you know fostering and adopting kind of just like all of the the modalities that you have as a gay couple um just to kind of give an an overarching view of like what are the options what do they look like what does the cost of those look like what does the timeline look like what are the hurdles so i'm excited we're gonna have some really amazing like experts some people who have gone through every part of these processes mm-hmm. um you know different loopholes different struggles um bring a lot of like info like really great information and advice on how to navigate this so with that i hope everybody has a wonderful day and thank you for listening to the first episode of the who's your daddy podcast the who's your daddy podcast <laughs> That's so weird to say we've been thinking about a the podcast for a while but it feels weird to be like this is it this is the podcast who's your daddy we sat down we're recording it we did it <gasps> yay okay. first pod done okay bye everybody bye everyone bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, 
live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.